When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Welcome to episode 145 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. And we have got quite a little lineup for you today. But firstly, as ever, a big shout out to our Patreon supporters, without whom we wouldn't be able to bring you this podcast. As I've said many times before, so that we're not governed by advertisers. For over three years, this podcast has been self-funded. So although this content is free for everyone, if you like what you hear and want to support from as little as £3 a month, go over to the Ministry of Arts Instagram profile and you'll find a Patreon link in the Linktree drop-down box. But like I just said, if you're not able, that's fine, this content is free for everyone. Today I'm taking you to meet several curators and artists, a couple of whom have got their own art podcast, and one was also a previous guest. And that could have been way back in the day when this was the Mizog Art Podcast. So first off, I'm going to take you to meet Thorpe Stavery, which comprises of Eric Thorpe and Nick Stavery. They are curators and together are also two-thirds of the Art Brief podcast. Now, although the guys have only curated a handful of shows together as Thorpe Stavery, each has grown in size and stature, which has led them to what I can only describe as a beast of a show. It's called The Factory Project, and it's on the old Tate and Lull warehousing site. They've involved several curatorial teams, with, I think it's like 110 artists. And straight after you've heard from Fulp Stavery, I'll be talking to three of the curators, each for around about five or 10 minutes. And the list of curators is as follows. Backhouse Projects, Delphian Gallery, Gallery 32, Hayes Projects, Jerome, Payshan, Recreational Grounds, Rosalind Davis, Skip Gallery, and as well as curating the whole site, 
are curating their own group of artists. The Ministry of Arts is going to be part of Gallery Number no. 32's group of artists, and I'll tell you more about that on the next episode. And Rosalind Davis and I are going to be in conversation, possibly on the 21st of October, although both time and date have got to be confirmed. And that is going to be entitled The Lives of Others with Rosalind Davis and Gary Mansfield. And again, by the next episode, I'll have definite information on that. And for the next few minutes, I'm going to fill me boots and tell you about my artwork that's going to be in the factory project. If you've been listening for some time, you'll remember that way back in episode 104, I spoke to Catherine Borowski from the Skip Gallery. And then a few weeks later, Lee Baker. And when I spoke to Catherine, she said that she'd like me to create something for the Skip Gallery in the near future. And I mean, it's the Skip Gallery, I jumped at the chance. And it just so happened that many years ago when I was in prison, I had an idea that referenced the Skip in the concept. But man, that was like over 20 years ago, so I had to try and dig out the sketchbooks to find out which one it was in. But I found it, done a little more research, and then when it came to speaking to Lee Baker, the other half of the Skip Gallery, I was just finishing off the finer details of the proposal. So I put it to Lee, he loved it, he put it to Catherine, and then lo and behold, a few weeks later when the factory project came about, I got a phone call inviting me onto the team. And my artwork is called Domestic Waste. Now I'd say if you've listened to at least two episodes of this podcast, you'll be well aware that my art journey started many years ago while I was serving a prison sentence. And I was in prison for several years, so as you can imagine, I've been in my fair share of prison cells. Now prisons obviously aren't designed to be a nice environment, but the old Victorian ones do have the feel of a dungeon about them. There's still a lot of these Victorian prisons that are active, housing thousands of prisoners. Most have been condemned, but are still running. But back in the day when they were built, each cell was designed for one person, but for decades now has held two. Researching for this project, I discovered on a government paper a detailed illustration of one of these cells. And it measures 1.8 metres by 3.5 metres, which is round about 6 by 11 feet. So on the left, as you walk in the door, is a toilet, and then a double bunk. And then on the other wall is two desks, next to which is two cupboards, which they refer to as wardrobes, and then the sink. So in reality, the guys in that cell have literally got an 18-inch strip going the length of the cell to stand up and walk. And I'm well aware that some of you may be thinking, well, if you can't do the time, then don't do the crime, and you know, that sort of thing, and I understand. But the floor space to this cell is 6.3 metres, and that's being shared by two people. And a lot of the time, that's for 23 hours a day. So to put that in perspective, next time you're in your bathroom, have a look around, because that's very possibly the size of a prison cell. And the irony of all of this is, do you know what the surface area is of just a standard domestic skip like you see plonked on someone's front drive? They vary slightly, but they are also 1.8 metres wide by 3.5 metres long. So we insist that two fully grown adults live in a cell the size of a fucking rubbish skip. Now, whatever your views are on prisoners, let's do away with that word and call them people. Living in a cell the size of a skip. Just think about that. 6.3 square metres. And to make it worse, 
I know we're a nation of dog lovers. I came across another government website that gave the area size for animals to be held in. And I looked at that list and for a dog weighing over 35 kilos, which is like a, an Alsatian, it has to have eight square meters. Eight square meters. Two adult humans have to share 6.3. What are the chances of rehabilitation if we are literally treating them worse than animals? So I am recreating this diagram full size on a skip. And I'm hoping that every time you walk past a skip, you look at it and think, as a society, we expect two men to live in that. And that's my installation, domestic waste. So a big thank you to the Skip Gallery for this opportunity and to Thorpe Stavery for including it in the factory project. Well, that's my little rant over, but now you can come and join me over Zoom as I spoke to Eric Thorpe and Nick Stavery about the factory project. Today I'm here with Thorpe Stavery, which is Eric Thorpe and Nick Stavery. Hiya guys, you okay? All right, Gary. Thanks, thanks for inviting us on. Oh, you're quite all right. Well, you've got a you've got quite a big show coming up in Silvertown called the Factory Project. How did that come about? It's enormous. Uh, yeah, it's a, a bit of an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> I think when we when we well, when we first found out about the show, um, well, with Project, the, the the guys that are managing the space, they contacted us and said, "Hey, like, have have a think. Come and see this space. Let us let us know what you think." and when we saw it in photographs, we just thought, oh, brilliant. We'll do a, a Thorpe Stavery show that will yeah. fill this whole warehouse up and it'll be this, I don't know, a bit of an ego boost, I suppose, this massive thing. Uh, like weeks went by, we have, um, we got ourselves really hyped up and we eventually went down to this space and you realise the size of like just the complex in general and it just kind of blew us away. It's like, right, how can we best service this this venue and, and, and um, I suppose do it justice also our you know our whole ethos or what we're trying to um create around us is 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 us becoming a supportive entity for for artists and curators and um uh you know people at the, the early stages of their career so we felt that sort of keeping an opportunity of this size to ourselves kind of didn't really feed into that that ethos or idea so we thought, you know, the best way to tackle this sort of monumental space was to fill it with people that we felt were doing really interesting things, but perhaps weren't getting as much shine as, as, as they perhaps deserved. Um, and obviously, you know, we felt we needed help to fill it because it is this massive, massive space. <laughs> it's so a big enough warehouse anyway, but it turns out that that's just one corner of it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, a, it's a big complex. You know, it, it was a functioning sugar factory until quite recently um you know the the existing factories next door so it has these four or five big warehouses um the main one that we're using for for the factory project was just filled with spoiled sugar and wow. it's where they would put put you know these sort of mountains of spoiled sugar when, it, when we actually went first went to the space you know it had this layer of sort of rank treacle and, you know, those sort of mouse traps where they have the sticky sheet and yeah, the mice, yeah, mice yeah. get trapped. And it's that kind of thing. You sort of come out of there with really sticky trainers kind of wow. sticking to everything. Um, but, we, yeah, we were sort of blown away by the space. And, you know, we were given the option to use more of it. 
and I felt we just thought perhaps you wouldn't be able to fill it. You know, um, there's there's these huge outdoor spaces as well. One of which, um, you know, you'll be showing work in with um, Gallery Thirty Two, and there's this whole other quite dramatic outdoor space at the back of the complex, which backs onto the Thames barrier, and it's you know a very kind of um, almost sort of dystopian looking but quite beautiful space um so who knows you know if we get the opportunity to do it again at some point we may we may use more of the space but i think at the moment you know we just kind of bit off as much as we thought we could chew yeah. <laughs> you seem to be doing okay so far that's for sure <laughs> there's still a lot to do i think that yeah as long as it looks all right from the outside <laughs> yeah and then you got interviewed by trebuchet um art journal recently and they asked us about curation and i was saying you know i think a large part of it is spinning plates you know you've got all these elements that you're trying to sort of get together and keep going until the eventual plan comes to fruition and it's quite i mean with a, with a project this size there are so many plates and so many yeah. people involved that you're trying to the amount of emails we're getting and that kind of thing just because you know they're all necessary yeah. and everyone's been great and everyone's been very good at communicating it's just because there's so many people involved you've got so much to answer and so much to do with the overarching project that it was difficult to find as much time for our sort of sub projects within the you know our exhibition within the factory yeah, project yeah um which is you know was quite difficult but also it's quite nice that you know we didn't not that we didn't take it as seriously but we were able to have a bit more fun with this with the exhibition within the project um because it wasn't the 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 sole focus of what we were doing so it's uh you know it's been a very interesting sort of newish direction for us it's been i think something that's been quite interesting for me is having like eric and i we spend most evenings working on this so it's having like a day that we associate to our exhibition and four days that are associated to the wider, <laughs> the wider project and try, trying to keep those keep keep it kind of regimented so that you do keep on top of it because it, it's so easy for something to slip and do you to be behind on something and like with a production like this we've got i think it's like 100 and over 110 artists involved Brilliant. every single one of those at some point has a query or a question <laughs> that needs to be resolved and we haven't always got the answer so. there are certain things that one will think the other one is on top of and then That's two weeks later like right you've done that right it's like no i thought you were doing it you know that kind of thing and i think it's you know the key to it is communication and just being very boringly organized you know having everything in spreadsheets having lists like endless lists of stuff and I know this this kind of idea of the curator being deep in thought to these deeply conceptual ideas about exhibitions. 90% of it is admin. And yeah. Just kind of making spreadsheets about things that you need to do or remember. And, you know, working out, getting artworks from artists, working out transportation and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of... Project tend- management. It That's is it. very interesting, but a big bulk of it is just boring admin stuff which <laughs> nick is far better at than me which is good but, it, but i've learned a lot you know working on these shows because at the beginning it was just you know we weren't aware of the amount of admin involved really because yeah. although we sort of dabbled in bits of curation here and there we hadn't really undertaken nothing like this big, anyway. big projects that we were kind of 
at the front of. How did Thorpe's Fabricatorial team come about? Well, we were, I'd, I'd written something um, about the relationship between contemporary art and rave culture and why you know, artists of a certain generation are obsessed with, with, with rave culture and da 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 da. And Chris Stead got in touch with me out of the blue and said, oh, I really liked your, your piece of writing. I'm trying to find this, I'm trying to find someone to curate a show in this space. Do you know anyone? And I kind of thought, well, is that kind of an indirect invite? Like, yeah, with you? Yeah. well, I'll do it. And me and Nick had talked about, because we were working together at Alan Christier at the time. And we would spend loads of time talking about shows that were happening, mm. like young, younger shows or kind of sculptural exhibitions. The gallery we worked for was a print gallery. Yeah. But we spent so much time talking about sculpture and kind of what's happening at kind of grassroots level. And when you're surrounded by like museum quality artists, it's like you want to go against and see yeah. what's new and yeah, something that's more exciting than that. We always spoke about doing something. And like, Eric came up, came to me with the opportunity. It's like, oh, let's collaborate and take some steps forward. And yeah. actually make well, it I think you, I mean, you, you saying museum quality artists, I feel that the sort of artists we were talking about, we always felt were kind of, you know, so I feel that the, the emerging end of the spectrum is where things are perhaps most exciting. And we felt a lot of the artists we were working with were far more interesting than a lot of the very established artists that we were dealing with at work. And yeah. we, we wanted to give a platform to artists that we thought needed it without the constraints of commercial bias, without them having to think, right, I've got a show in this tiny space. I need to make eight paintings that are going to sell and yeah. fit in this space. We wanted to show big works and give the artist the opportunity to, to show them without thinking, am I going to be able to flog this? That's definitely something you're doing for the factory project, isn't it? I feel it's sort of all kind of led up to this and it's all been a... We've been developing our vision with each show, I guess. And it's sort of... Not that this is a sort of culmination or, or a kind of... Um, peak of what we're doing but it's kind of this is a more defined version of what we've been trying to do I guess oh, most of the curators there are artists as well aren't they yeah actually I, th I, th I think a lot of them are yeah I think um, apart from us I think uh, <laughs> yeah Delphian are both practicing artists Rec Grounds Rosalind uh, I mean Jerome is, is an artist he's not a curator and we, had, we met while we were doing five highs and discussed working on a show together and I thought he'd be great to... I think it is just do. us. Well, no, no, Pashan's not an artist. Oh, Pashan, Pashan. Although, you know, a bulk of the curators are practising artists, they're also, some of them are more established in a curatorial sense than, than others. I mean, yeah. kind of, it's important to us to have, you know, people at different stages of their careers, although it's all sort of early to mid-career stuff um you know someone like Pashan ha hasn't I don't think has done a, a, a physical show of this kind and it was very you know it's, it's been great to to give people opportunities as well you know the idea of pushing someone in a direction that they may not have thought to do is you know is is, is, is important to us so yeah it's a, it's a good mix of people and I think um although we have to get in there and install everything and we you know we don't have a great idea of how it's all going to look um you know so far everyone's been great i think with the nature of the show like 
a lot of the artists are making work specifically for the space. So we've only ever seen a sketch of it or a digital mock-up. So it's difficult to plan how it's all gonna kind of go together because you've, yeah. not, you've not seen, even some of the materials we've not seen. It's, 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 it's gonna be quite challenging, I think, come Monday when we've got however many people on site, plus techs and whatnot. But it's, and it's, it's such a large site, it's gonna be nice to see the work within the tutorial groups merging into each other as well. I think, it's, I think that's, that's kind of the idea behind it being under one banner, the factory project, is because there's, there's not gonna be any walls. It's not gonna be like yeah. an art fair where you walk through and you go and see each individual exhibition. Um, as you walk in, to, art, to, to every space actually, there's more than one curator in every part of the building. So as you walk around, you'll see, you'll see a different curator's idea and in the background, you'll see another exhibition. And I think it's, it's inevitable due, due to the way the building's made, but hopefully it will have a bit of, um, bit of a music festival sort of feel yeah. where you might go for one or two bands or artists, but as you're walking around and you, you'll hear different things, and you'll see different things and you'll leave at the end of the weekend like aware of other bands and hopefully following them and seeing them again in the future. So mm. it's having the lack of walls and having it all uh, one factory project gives it kind of a collaborative feel mm. and everyone's side by side at the same level. Eric's just had to leave us, but Nick, <laughs> yeah. how's your own tutorial team? What artists are you showing? So Eric and I were showing uh, Mike Ballard, who's making a huge kind of eight foot by eight foot sculpture. Uh, Josephine Chimay is making a kind of a house type structure for us. Uh, Liam Fallon with a it's kind of a trebuchet basketball type sculpture. Uh, Rosie Gibbons doing a performance and she's got um, some, some fabric sculptures that will be hanging from one of the beams in the, in the warehouse. Uh, Ellie Hayward, who's made a new sculpture for us. We're yet to kind of see it, so I'm not quite sure how it's going to work <laughs> out. Ellie Hayward. Natalie Janula, who's doing um, some performances for us on the opening day and will be exhibiting some sculpture with uh, mechanical and electrical components. Uh, Olivia Monday, um, some paintings. Gabriella Pelzaka with big concrete cube. When you walk into the space, there'll be a big concrete cube above your head. Uh, and they'll, they'll, be, they'll be suspended and counterbalanced with some marble sheets. Um, Kat Robertson, um, again, another huge sculpture. It's, this is kind of, it's, it's going to be, with scaffolding coming away from a fire escape built in as if it's part of the building nice. coming out into the space and she uses a lot of papercrete so there's going to be some i don't know they're going to look heavy but hopefully they'll be a lot lighter than they are um luke silver he's made us some incredible paintings i think it's 48 in a series of they're quite small they're i forget exactly i think they're like 20 by 16 or something like that but there's 48 in the series and they're they're all uh, relics from a Tomb Raider computer game. Oh wow, nice! Uh, so when I first saw the when I first saw the photo of it, it, just, it brought back so many memories. So obviously, I absolutely love it. So it's like that's be quite exciting to have that on the back wall. And then finally, we have Christopher Stead, who is making a sculptural sound piece, which is it's going to be it's, that's another thing that's going to be big. It's going to be built around a scaffold tower, so and it's going to sit as a centerpiece to our subsection. Well, Chris doesn't tend to do things. In a small way, anyway, does he? It's big and it's loud. Yeah, I'm quite looking forward to seeing what he's done because every time he's sent us something or spoken about it, it's always been in like a cryptic way. <laughs> <laughs> you got to decipher what it is he's going to he's, do. He's really hyped it up. So, but I know, I know full well that everything that he does is brilliant. So I'm yeah. looking forward to see it. And also, like when he, he's really like capable of just getting it done. 
Yeah. So he'll he'll come in and build this massive thing, and no doubt it will be ten out of ten, and it'll signature piece we're expecting, Chris. Or where is the factory project? The factory project is in the Thameside Industrial Estate on Factory Road. The closest station is Pontoon Dock or City Airport. It's okay. about a 10-minute walk from both stations. It's, it's directly opposite uh, the Thames Barrier. Yeah. So it's on the north side of the Thames Barrier. But it's such an easy place to get to. It's just awkward if, you're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't know about the DLR. So it's like the, the DLR drops you literally outside pretty much. But if you never get a DLR into East London or you've never been to City Airport, it can be daunting. I remember the first time I went to see the factory, I was like, oh, God, it's an industrial estate. It's going to be difficult to get to a pain in the ass. But actually, <laughs> it's all right. right by, it's right by City Airport. Yeah. It's designed, you're designed to get to the airport quickly. So it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if anyone's jetting in, it's ideal. That's what I've said to everyone. All the clients coming from Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> what dates is your money to and from? We're open from the 9th until the 22nd. Uh, tickets for the 9th are all but sold out now or booked out. They're free tickets. Uh, but 10th to the 22nd, they're available and you can get them via the website, which is inside at the factoryproject.com. Excellent. Yeah. So jump on there, take a look around. There's also some workshops and bits and pieces that you can buy tickets for listed on the website or well, not buy. They're all free. But they're listed on the website as well, along with timings for the performance and talks and tours that various curators and artists have taken part in. So hopefully there should be something happening every day for people that come down. <laughs> Just looking into the near future, what sorts have we got coming up? We're hoping to have a show in August at Two Temple Place. It's a kind of a, kind of a stately home and neo-Gothic building on embankment. Wow. We're still talking to the charity that run the building so hopefully that that comes off and we'll have that in august next year otherwise we've got tentative plan for another october show 2022 but that's such a long way off we've we, i can't really announce anything with that yet we've not aside from one site visit we've not really got too far with it isn't it nice to be able to make long-term plans now it's kind of frustrating because we had we've had two shows postponed and then cancelled so from February 2020, the start of COVID. From 2020, we've had two shows cancelled. So this has been our long, a long time coming for us. Yeah, trying to, we want to yeah. do, we want to kind of keep them semi-regularly. And you haven't booked in, you kind of have a tentative plan of what's going to happen. Artists are spoken to, and then for whatever reason, business the sort of space isn't available anymore. Yeah. And it's it's a real, it's a downer. But when we got this space from project, you know, kind of like, right, let's make it happen. These are the, these are the proposed dates. It may wiggle a little bit. Once it all got confirmed, it was like, right, let's do it and let's let's do more. Yeah. <laughs> we had a, we were quite lucky last year for our for our freeze week show. The day we closed was the day they uh, the government imposed like a, a further lockdown. Brilliant. So it was like, and we got and we extended the show by a week. So it got extended right up to that nice. deadline. No, it's a, it a relief. So hopefully we're not in that sort of a stressful, stressful situation this time. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, Nick, is there anything you want to add that you, we may not have covered? Uh, I suppose the only, the only thing to cover is on the when you book a ticket, they are free, but there's also the option to pay a two pound suggested donation to Community Food Enterprise, which is a charity based on site. Uh, they're a, an award-winning social enterprise raising raising awareness of food poverty and securing food donations to supply to uh, various food banks, schools, and um, care homes, social, social workers, whatnot. 
they're based on site with us so if you are able to donate two pounds to them and book a ticket that way please do <laughs> oh no that's brilliant great stuff <laughs> nick all the best mate and i'll see you next week see you later Good luck, Bye. there you are eric thorpe nick stavery and the factory project as i mentioned during the intro i had the opportunity to speak to several of the curatorial teams just to grab a little insight of what to expect so the three i've got coming up in order are the Backhouse Projects, the Delphian Gallery, and I should add that Benjamin Murphy, I think, is speaking from the Delphian Gallery, which is based in Covent Garden, and he has quite an echo. He could even be speaking from the afterlife. So that's Backhouse Projects, Delphian Gallery, and then thirdly, Jerome. I'll play them all back to back and then come see you at the end. I'm now speaking to Jacob from the Backhouse Projects. Jacob, you're a part of Backhouse Projects. Would you be able to tell us a bit more about that, please? Yeah, of course. Backhouse Projects is a bit of an interesting, uh, an interesting one, and this is actually our first project as Backhouse Projects, but it kind of consists of two separate parts. There's, of course, uh, kind of myself and Morgan Wagner, who run Grove Collective, a gallery here in London. Um, and then we also are working between here and Berlin, with the Berlin side of things being run by our friends Amon Hassan and Ash Smith. And accordingly, you know, this is a, it's, it's really a community driven project with an arts inflection, but we're also doing workshops and lectures out of a space that we have in Berlin, down in Neukölln and on Basisklasse. And Morgan and I, and in this instance, uh, kind of I personally are manning the, the arts side of things, um, oh, trying to use it as a, a, bit, a, bit of a, a bit of a foundation to do more socially and um, politically inclined work. And how did you come to be a part of the factory project? I initially got contacted by, um, by Molly Barnes, who's no longer taking part in the project. She wanted to do something with me uh, through the magazine that we work on together called Soft Punk. And in turn, it just kind of the way that it morphed was Morgan and I realized that we really wanted to kind of have a, a, a project space, as it were, to kind of experiment um, with emerging artists and, and kind of our own ideas. And we kind of came together with friends in Berlin who were looking to do comparable work there. And, and out of that was kind of born Backhouse Projects. So in some regards, how did Backhouse come to be involved in, in, in the factory project? It was kind of created in order to be an entity that could then participate in oh, the factory project. Yeah, so, so it's it kind of a chicken or egg thing. You know, did Backhouse come first <laughs> with the factory project? Superb. Oh, that's great. I wasn't aware of that. And which artists do you have taking part in factory projects? So uh, we actually have no artists taking part. Well, I, I wouldn't say that. Uh, I am the, the individual who's going to be responsible for the installation on Backhouse's behalf, um, which is very new work for me. But it was really kind of, you know, I, I came on to this as a curator and it, it was a bit of a funny one because I, I had this idea in my head of what I wanted. And I knew, I, I, I knew that I wanted to work, work in a way that was referential of the history of sugar, uh, which I think, you know, as, as I think now everyone knows, having kind of been involved in this, has a, a rich but checkered past, yeah. um, but also thinking about the way that that history inflected our present and ultimately our, our, our future, thinking of sugar as kind of critical to the, the birth of, content, of modern capitalism um, and thinking about the way that those systems have now left us on the brink of ecological and economic disaster and thinking about how all of it kind of, yes, leaves us in the present, but also creates kind of very, very clear through lines to the future and, and uh, 
and is critical in how we kind of understand our future, not only kind of across nationalisms, but as an entire species. So I, I kind of had this idea and I couldn't quite come up with the right artist to do it, or I couldn't quite find someone whose work I kind of mirrored what I wanted. And I, and I realized that I was actually, you know, not, I, I, was, I was failing on two fronts, that I was both trying to curtail um, my idea to what other artists were doing. And I was trying to shoehorn other artists into my idea. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and as a result, I, I realized that I would just be much better off executing what it was that I wanted to see and, and kind of just, you know, seeing out my vision um, as opposed to trying to force someone else to, to do something on my behalf. And are you able to give us an insight as to what the artwork actually is? Absolutely. So it's, it's kind of um, bipartite insofar as on one hand, there is an, an installation element, which is going to be two raised flower beds um, with hibiscus plants. And I, I use hibiscus because hibiscus is, is a flower that's often associated with the colony of Jamaica or with the, the Caribbean island of Jamaica, the former colony um, and, and Britain's primary sugar colony. But additionally, it's going to be uh, accompanied by an experimental essay I've written um, that confronts these histories um, and as they kind of manifest themselves again in the present and, and, and where they're leading us into the future. Um, although in that regard, Jamaica plays less of a less of a kind of um, uh, an upfront role. And it's actually more Haiti in the history of, of Haitian sugar. Um, and and as, it, as it pertains to its relationship to the Haitian revolution, um, the Haitian revolution, of course, being the only successful slave uprising in history on the back of sugar. So that, that kind of is, is a little bit more central to the essay. But I wanted to, at least for the installation, be more referential to a specific British history. Yeah. Do you know where on site you're showing? So we're actually going to be just, we're going to be on kind of one of the outside, um, so in the, kind of the inner courtyard. Um, I, we're going to be just outside there, I think. So, uh, it, I mean, it's, it's again, it's, a, it's an outdoor installation. So I think it's probably going to be um, in that kind of inner courtyard between the main entrance and uh, kind of the main hall. You know, the flower beds are, are, are reasonably large, but they're not gargantuan. You need to be, we need to be in a place where we can water it and get sufficient sunlight so the hibiscus plants don't just all die. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you know, this, it's, it's really much less a visual thing and more a conceptual um, kind of commemorative gesture. Oh, brilliant. I look forward to seeing it. And because yours is a living artwork, is it moving on after the factory project? You know, there's been talk of Tate and Nile acquiring it for their permanent, um, their kind of uh, their 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 permanent installa installation there, yeah. which is really to say that they were, you know, they were going to turn it into some center of sorts, and they were going to plant flowers, and if there were flowers already there, they might as well buy them. But uh, but I I don't I don't really know. I don't think it's going on anywhere else. It is quite site specific. Um, but look, if if someone wanted to bring it on anywhere, this has kind of been born um, very much of the project. So. I'm, I'm open to, I'm open to see what happens to it. My entire identity as an artist has been forged through this project. So excellent, All right. Jacob. Thank you very much, mate. I'll see you on the night. Cheers. Thanks. See you later. Night. I'm now with Benjamin and Nick from the Delphian Gallery. Hi, guys. You okay? Hi. Yeah. Good. Cheers. How are you? Oh, splendid. Would you be able to start by just telling us a little bit about Benjamin and Nick and the and the Delphian Gallery? Yeah, Delphian Gallery is a, it's kind of a gallery, I suppose, but we don't just think of ourselves as a gallery. Um, we curate shows, um, 
often in in different locations or a nomadic gallery usually but at the moment we've got um a six month space in Covent garden as well um, yeah and i suppose we exhibit a lot of exciting emerging artists and how long have you been doing that for four years now yeah it was our fourth anniversary a couple of months ago so yeah oh nice and how did the collaboration come about um so we met um years ago i was i used to run a magazine and we did a feature on ben's first uh show, solo show um 2013 i think it was um and that 2012 and uh so we met then and became friends and then over the years we sort of just um helped each other co-curate our own shows um and then eventually thought why don't we do this for other people and put on some uh, some shows so we started we started with a group show uh, at ben's studio um in whitechapel a few years ago brilliant the perfect combination yeah it's nice when things just merge into into something isn't it yeah definitely yeah we never had any plans for delphian really we never we never thought right we want to be gallerists or start a gallery it was like we did a show then we did another show and then all of a sudden now we're doing like two in a week, but it was never like, you never had a business plan or anything. Was yeah. It? All of a sudden things just started to work and evolved into, into a being. Yeah, it's nice to be organic like that, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think it like spawns some, it's just like a nicer way to work, I think, um, without sort of like over overarching targets you have to hit all the time and stuff. You just do interesting shows and projects you're really excited about. And likewise, with Thorpe and Stavry, um, they come together in a similar way, just two friends yeah. who um, who started working together. And, and now they've got the factory project that's opening on the 9th of October. Delphine are included in that. What artists have you got under, under you there? Uh, we have Jukka Vikunen, um, Finnish, Finnish artist who's making a huge uh, fabric piece that's going to be suspended from the ceiling. Nice. We've had him in a few shows. We had a big one in the Saatchi show. Um, and then for this one, we said, like, I mean, his work is usually really big, but for this one, we said, like, make the biggest thing you've <laughs> And I mean, his work is big. Yeah. So I don't know how big this thing's going to be, but it's going to be great. <laughs> but there's a lot of room to fill, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, like uh, so a lot of the artists just said, like, now is the time. If you want to go big, then now is the time to yeah, do exactly. it. Exactly. Space is huge. Emily making, actually, I don't really know what she's making yet. Um, we're <laughs> gonna, she's going to kind of finish it off in the space. That's going to be a big paper mache thing. Well, I've spoke to a few curators and um, they've said similar. They're not entirely sure what, what all of their artists are doing, which I think <laughs> that, that's quite an exciting thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's going to be great on the install days to see everything sort of appearing. It's going to be great. Um, we've got Ant Hamlin as well, um, who we haven't shown before, but um, Ben, you've known him for a while, haven't you, Ant? Um, yeah, and he's just a really great guy. And we just, um, he, he recently made, I think, the world's smallest uh, hand-stitched, fully-working bouncy castle. Um, <laughs> And so we had a drink with him after the show we did at Unit One Gallery, and he was telling us about that. And we, I think we thought like, well, we've got like the biggest space we've ever seen. Yeah. Why do you big now? So he's making us some, um, some kind of, I suppose, three-dimensional 
I don't know what, what you'd call them really. They're kind of paintings, but they're like three-dimensional they're made with fabric uh, and they're kind of sandwiched between two pieces of glass. Nice. That'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, who else is there, Nick? Um, we've got Hannah Lim and Hugo Harris. Oh yeah, they're really good. Who are going to be amazing as well. They're both great. Um, we've got Jack West, who is uh, also amazing. Um, he's going to be building some big stuff. Uh, uses a lot of metal and concrete. Are you going in as well, Benjamin? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, we forgot me. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm putting some work in. I'm putting in like a, a modular arrangement of like 15 canvases. Nice. It's going to be like uh, on the floor. And again, don't know how that's going to look yet. I'm going to get there, respond to the space. Brilliant. Have you got a name for your group show? Wasteland. Nice. Yeah. I think it, um, it ties quite nicely with the area and with the history of the area. And it's kind of neglected the area in a lot of ways. And so I think it's really nice that um, creative stuff, creative things gravitate towards that kind of wasteland. Yeah. Not many of the curators are aware of where they're showing. Do you know where you are showing? We know the general area, um, but I think a lot of things are going to slot in amongst each other. And I think once we see what the other galleries hang, that might dictate where we hang stuff and I'm sure we'll have that same effect on other people. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be walls in, well, there isn't going to be walls in the <laughs> gallery, like in an art fair. So yes, yeah, so I think we'll all have to be mindful of each other when hanging and installing. So we'll all have to respond to the room, I think. Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting to see the interplay between all the different works from the different galleries. It's going to be great. It's going to be quite exciting as well to see how one group's work merges into its neighbor as well isn't it yeah, yeah. With, with ours we didn't we didn't try and um pick works or artists that really tightly fit together and made work all of a similar style or vibe or whatever because that in amongst a really big diverse mix of things in a room would look odd so instead we've chose really diverse practices um and works that might not necessarily sit super naturally next to each other because I think we're going to have enough space to, that, that that's possible. Yeah, it, it will have a feeling of fluidity, won't it? It'd be less rigid. And it, it being so open is going to be something quite new as well, won't it? Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Apart from the factory project, what else has Delphian got coming up? Um, so this week we've got um, a solo show with Florence Hutchings opening on Tuesday, um, which is sort of a long-awaited show because it was originally meant to open in Paris in March 2020, but was then obviously <laughs> affected by COVID, so it got cancelled or postponed. Um, and now we're, we're showing it in our temporary Covent Garden space. So that's really exciting to finally sort of uh, let the work uh, see the light of day after all this time. Something really nice has happened around that as well because the whole show... And obviously this was, all the work was painted long before COVID. The whole show is the interior of her house. Um, nice. Inspired by a sketchbook that she made that was like a journey from her front door, all the walls back to the front door again. And, and then Brilliant. the painting of like interiors and doors specifically, it's called the Doors of Perception. And so once COVID happened and we all had to like basically just stay in our houses, the, the show has taken on this whole new meaning and especially uh, the book that we made uh, to accompany the show because it's like, it's now a portrait of Florence's 
isolation during nice. COVID. It's really nice. And what is the address of the gallery for anyone who hasn't been there? Henriette Street. And just lastly, how's the, the book, How to Navigate the Art World, going? Amazing. And is it still for sale? Still for sale. I mean, it's, um, we've got a distributor, so it's for sale not just through our website, but like through bookshops, galleries, like in the Tate and Wattstones. And... Oh, nice. Nice to see it spreading the word. Yeah. yeah. The final show of our current uh, space in Covent Garden is um, a solo show with Nettle Grelier, who um, we've been working with for a while, and that's going to be a really nice show that opens in like two weeks. And so. what's the title of that show? Uh, that one's called Come to Good with Nettle Grelier. Splendid. All right, Benjamin, Nick, thank you very much for your time. And nice. I look forward to seeing you at the opening of the factory project. Cool, man. All right. See you soon. I'm now speaking to Jerome. Hiya, Jerome. Hi, Go. How are you doing? Would you be able to tell me a little something about Jerome? I uh, graduated from the RCA in um, 2019. I grew up in um, Shepherd's Bush. I'm a London boy from London town. Now I work as a senior lecturer in painting at Campbell College. Nice. Um, I've been painting or just doing art for however long since I was like, I don't know, as soon as I hit double digits <laughs> in age, that was like when I decided, yeah. uh, uh, I knew that was the vibe. There's like a lot of chance in terms of chance being a key element to it. And um, that wasn't something I realized until um, last year, to be honest, when I had to break down break it down for another yeah. project and um I sort of realized yeah there's a the element of chance is always present within my practice but in general I'm just really interested in approaching my practice with the openness so that it can interlink and different projects can talk to each other at the same time and then whatever comes out comes out and for me it feels most natural because there's so many sources of um, uh, information that are present to us that in terms of the output of um, expressing that, that's just how it is. Yeah. And um, it took a, quite a while to be, to kind of accept that, to be honest, because um, uh, earlier on, I was kind of asked throughout my arts education to what sort of artist are you in terms of are you a painter, do you draw, do you whatever? And it was like, well, do you sculpt it was kind of like a thing of all of it yeah well you're part of the factory project and you've got a group of artists with you yeah yeah um you've got a title around your your group or the group that you're showing which yeah. is play and the post peak how many artists have you got with you uh 17 including myself yeah yeah it's, it's quite um quite a big bunch i'll list them to you yeah go on um, please it's ryan prince Debbie Lerner, Sam Toll, Natalie Hollis, Divya Patel, Otis Blees, Eleni Papazoglu, Josh Wolford, C. Dyer, Janet Hussein, Jeanette Paris, Rosalind Wilson, Seyun Huang, Darcy Murphy, Bex Macy, and Olivia Sterling. Perfect. The factory project is a huge area. Yeah. Um, do you know whereabouts you're going to be showing? In the big warehouse, we're in the very middle. And the way that um, I've curated it, basically it, it works out because we understand that the other curatorial projects going on, we kind of have to, there's points where they'll be overlapping. The, the way that the, the work will be displayed 
doesn't need like significant breathing room. In fact, the, the, the whole concept is that some of them are closer together. Most of them are early career artists that I'm exhibiting yeah. with. Man, like even with um, Jeanette, it's like she's, even though she's exhibited with so much major galleries, you could see her practice going so much bigger. Nice. And it's like, it kind of feels like inevitable. Yeah. And with one of the artists, sorry, that I'm exhibiting, one instead of student, and um, it doesn't really matter. Eventually we're all in this thing together. We're all, and that's kind of what I was approaching in terms of the curation of the show. It's like one of the thoughts that led to it was thinking about the arts and how, okay, we're all kind of in this playground existing together. And very, some of us are playing different games with different rules, but at the end of the day, it all informs the energy within the same playground. Definitely. I mean, obviously, a, a long-term artist, their work will show out because they've got the experience. But mm. other than that, if it's a student that's, that's showing quality, powerful work, it can stand easily alongside any other artist, no matter how yeah. long they've been in their career. Exactly, exactly. And that's the, the amazing thing of it. The work is the work. And if, it, if it's strong enough, it's strong enough. And there. If you're not um, familiar with the name of the artist, you take it at face value, literally. Very true. Very, very true. Which is it's pretty the, much how we should look at people when we pass them in the street, isn't it? You know? Well, yeah, it's, it's very that same openness. It's, um, it's very true. Because in both instances, the person and yourself are still changing and growing yeah. and moving. So there's that point in time where Definitely. it's like, okay, we're considering this at this point, but it's still going to um, continue. The conversation will continue. And um, that's the amazing thing. In terms of the, the concept of the show, um, of my curatorial vision was mainly based around going back to the whole power structures thing. I was really thinking about the representation in London galleries. Thing. I was kind of comparing it to the music industry and how artists that in the 90s, um, slash early 2000s, which is like when I was a kid growing, that's when I was born and growing up. So the... I was looking at hip hop and grime as the majority of my influences musically. And I've, all the examples I saw were of these young creatives that were blocked from the industry. So they made their own things. Yeah. And that thought process in terms of absorb, observing like the Jay-Z at Rockefeller or the Skeptors at um, Boy Better Know, that is ingrained in my thinking as to like, okay, you don't really need the system you can still do yeah, it and yeah, yeah and make a, a, a buzz. And so as well as reading Brian Sutton Smith's um, The Ambiguity of Play over the um, lockdown, that compiled with the, the thought process as to what voices I see present in these um, London showings when they're talking about like young up and coming artists and um, what I see not present. And then also that whole playful element and looking at the seven rhetorics of play, that basically what is what has informed the um, my curatorial vision for the show. So yeah, play in the post peak. That's uh yeah, that's the show. <laughs> Thank you for your time, Jerome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I look forward to seeing you um, during the installation and and throughout the time at the factory project. Nice, mate. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'll see you there. Bye, you later, bye. mate. All the best. Bye, bye. bye. There you go, look at all those curators there. The factory project sounds a little bit special, doesn't it? Well, as Eric and Nick mentioned there, 
The show runs from the 9th to the 22nd of October and it's at the Thameside Industrial Estate, Factory Road, London, E16 2HB. And you do have to book to come see the show, but the tickets are free. And as mentioned there, on-site is a food bank of sorts. And when you're booking your ticket, there is an option to give a £2 donation to the food bank. And what's £2? Less than a cup of coffee, right? On the next episode, I'll be speaking to one of the participating artists. And that will be Luap, who's showing with gallery number 32. And then a couple of days after that, I'll introduce you to a few more of the curators taking part in a factory project. So, until then, toodle pip. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. Or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Anything is appreciated. But either way, thanks for listening. And until next week, ta-da. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.